That's right. We are back. Episode 40? 40. 30. 40. <laughs> it's a mixture of 30 and 40. 30 and 40. Uh, this is Grow uh, How Long State, Mister. 16 minutes. Mm, 16 minutes. I'll tell them a little long. Yeah. I'm usually around 16, 17 minutes on the stage. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yes, I am still your host, uh, Bobby Stills. Uh, and across from me is uh, Jonathan. Jonathan. Jonathan Tunamithan. Jonathan Tunamith. Yes, we are still recording to you from uh, South Lake Union, Seattle, Washington. Uh, we are in Studio Two One Two. This is a production of the Soundcasting Network. We are out without Super Producer Keith today. Oh, do you want to tell the people why? You and you and him had a baby, didn't you? Yeah, I put one in him. <laughs> Johnny and Keith, uh, welcomed a baby into the world yesterday. So I want to say congratulations to Keith. He's his name here. is Nefarious. <laughs> his name is Max. Maximus. <laughs> I can't remember his first name. Uh, but anyway, yeah, congratulations, Keith. Uh, yeah, sorry we didn't record last week. We were off for Labor Day. Yeah, it was a long. It was a long week. It feels like we've been gone forever. Yeah, I know. I look in the. I look around this room and I'm like, I don't know you anymore. <laughs> I thought it was weird walking to the studio. <laughs> Walked up in here and was like, I remember that smell. <laughs> of nothing? <laughs> <laughs> of ping pong tables. All yeah, right. Of office space that gets cleaned. Yeah. So, what's, I mean, do you have any updates, I guess? We got to go back into the updates because you know the people care. They, I, I hope. Uh, um, nobody cares. Right. No, I mean, nothing crazy is going on. Restaurant's doing well. Still working at the Art of the Table. Whoop whoop! Uh, they got covered. Art of the table got covered. You didn't you? Did you tell the um, our audience that that art of the table was moving? No, because I didn't want. I didn't know what um, the deal was. With That's that. why we had spoke about it. I know me and you had previously spoken about it, um, but I don't didn't really remember if we spoke about it on the show. But it's been covered by what Seattle Met and, and Eater. Eater, yeah. And uh, what were the results of those write ups? Uh, Eater was a little bit weird, but they usually are. You know, they they say things that they don't mean i guess <laughs> i don't know but the seattle met was really nice um basically we're moving just a couple blocks down from where our original location is so right now we're on 38th and um bridgeway and we'll be moving to 38th and stoneway i feel like we talked about this on the show are you sure we didn't talk about this on the show it's a possibility but i hope that i didn't because i don't like putting out business <laughs> that i don't know is well because we had talked about you the reason why you guys were moving was because you were getting some more seats some yeah space. yeah we're getting like 25 more seats yeah ball and now you guys are gonna have to hire like four more cooks now right i hope not <laughs> i hope that we only have to hire like another cook and a really baller dishwasher yeah but um our um so are they moving the they're just moving the entire restaurant all the kitchen equipment anything no new i don't think purchasing? i don't think they're moving the kitchen equipment i think they're just getting a new fitted kitchen ball sauce yeah it's That's i mean tight Art of the Table's been around for almost 10 years, so they they generate some revenue, you know, and they probably have something stare, s- spared away. Yeah, the reception <laughs> about, you know, when you started working at Art of the Table, and I spoke to some people that listened to the show, uh, they're really excited for you. That's awesome. And they were happy to hear that, you know, my co-host was working there. They're like, now, Robbie, maybe you could step your game up. <laughs> and I'm like, don't you worry about my game, okay? No, it was, uh, it's... It's definitely a change. I'm actually like, even we hired another guy and he's younger than me. And, um, it's really, it's kind of stressful sometimes because 
when him and my sous chef talk about food after work when we're like, you know, drinking and stuff like that. I'm just like, I don't know about like ISI and like, you know, using agar agar and why agar agar. You know about agar. that. You, I mean, you I know love how, saying the word agar agar. Yeah, I do. And I love, and I mean like, I know how to use it, but I don't know why it does what it does, you know, and they do. And so it's just like, I need to go back and like learn my shit and, you know, step my game up, it which is good. It pushes you. Yeah. And it, may, and it makes me want to be better, but it just kind of sucks because I'm just like, man, like, Fuck. <laughs> at least you can hang. You know, when Halel was on the show and she was at the restaurant, what was the Altura? Altura yeah. up there. Uh, when she got hired there, you know, all, a lot of us that we all know each other, we used to work each other, were like, yo, not going to happen. Yeah. Like, she can't fuck with, she can't hang. Uh-huh. You know, she just doesn't know enough. And uh, I don't know if she was, they didn't expect her to know everything. Yeah. Uh, she wasn't on the line. Mm-hmm. She was prepping okay. there. Mm-hmm. Um, and they didn't expect a lot from her. They just expected her to learn and stuff. But, uh, you know, me and her had discussions, private discussions off air about it. And I was like, even if you don't know, Ask. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't expect you to know everything, and they're willing to give you a chance and show you how yeah. to do things correctly. But she just didn't have enough confidence in herself to believe mm-hmm. in her skills and stuff. Um, she's, she's really happy. Where but she's, she's happy at Dan the Weather. Seems like yeah. Didn't we just ran into her together, right? No, I didn't. Oh, I mean, I've, I've ran into her a couple times, but she's. I mean, she's, she's doing good. She's yeah. gonna come on the show here pretty soon. Good, you know, some people here that don't. Is she cooking? She's cooking. She's on the line, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's doing real good. She's doing real good. Nice. Um, okay. Any uh, f- any food places you've eaten? Uh, do you want to shout out? Nothing no, I like mean, that? I might. I'm gonna be checking out Eden Hill either uh, hopefully tonight or on um, Friday, probably both. <laughs> but uh, Maximilian Petty. It's his name. That's the chef there. Yep. He's a young guy. He uh he got Zagat's thirty under thirty. I saw that. I read that. Yeah. So um he's pretty cool. He came to the restaurant the other day and uh, brought us a really nice bottle of cider and. I've never eaten there before, but I've read many many good things about. Yeah, it. Yeah, I'm just gonna drop one dish, which I've already told you about it, yeah. but the world needs to hear about it. Is cauliflower chilaquiles. <laughs> yeah, I was like, sign me up. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> all right. Fucks with it. <laughs> so that's, but, you already know what you're getting. Yeah, no, for sure. But, uh, you know. How, how much is that going to run you? It's it's like 18 bucks. 18 bucks. Yeah, yeah. 15, 18 bucks. Right. Like the menu is really approachable. That's the thing about what people need to realize when you go to these restaurants that have tasting menus is, yeah, the tasting menu is going to be. expensive. Yeah, 90 to $100 with a 40 to $60 pairing. But you can get a la carte, which are usually any day but Friday and Saturday. And you can get any dish for under 22 bucks. You know, it's not a really expensive meal. You could probably drop 50 bucks a person and get some wine too. Word. We're yeah. a big bird. So, okay. Uh, my work update. Yeah. What's up with you? It's been a couple weeks. <laughs> it's, it's been a Me and Johnny think we feel like since we haven't we recorded last <laughs> week it's been forever. We're like no it's technically only been a week. Yeah. Well we haven't recorded in two weeks though because this is the second Tuesday. It's a lot in the culinary world. A lot of stuff could have happened man. Restaurants could have burned down. You know I'm saying. <laughs> Robbie could be owning his own place right now. You know. Who Damn knows? <laughs> <laughs> bitch, man. I just like to hate. Uh, Shade. No, right now, uh, it's, it's, there's a power struggle going on right now at my work <laughs> between some people. How's there a power struggle going on at Honey Hole? <laughs> because we got we got a homegirl that wants to come back. She had oh. a baby. Shout out Lakaya. Uh, a lot of girls having babies, man. Is that crazy Kiki? My, yeah. Killer Kiki. Killer Kiki. She had a baby, uh, and she you know she wants to come back. And they had to hire somebody else because she left. They didn't know how long she was going to be gone for. And now she wants her spot back. <laughs> so they tried to throw shade at your boy 
No, they ain't trying to throw shade at me. No, they, they, but they were like, uh, what's up? The guys at night, because I, I told you I'd filled in for a night shift one yeah. time. And they were like, uh, you know, everybody liked you. You did a really good job. And I was like, good, good for me. You know, I like, you know, one dude on the line scared me. <laughs> flipping out the entire time. I was like, it's not that serious, homie. You can't 86 the entire minute. <laughs> um, but they were like, you know, what do you think? They need some people at night. Like, what's up? And so I, like, literally was like, I can come and work a couple of nights uh, to help out until you find somebody else. But it's not going to be your schedule. Somebody mistook that, and it got communicated to the front of the house night man, general manager, and to where he hollered at me. Nice guy. Real cool dude. But he's like, yo, I heard you trying to join up with the squad. Like, <laughs> Like, what's up? Why are you trying to come? I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I was like, I don't know where the breakdown of communication is, but I don't fucks with that nighttime life anymore because that leads to me being up late, out late. Drinking late. And I handle other shit at night. I got other shit going on, you yeah. know? Other business opportunities. Um, so, yeah, I like my day shift. I get up early, you know, get my ass kicked in the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. But then I got the rest of the afternoon to relax, you know, sit on my butt. <laughs> Yeah, I don't care. Um, so we're trying to figure it out. Structures, you know, it's kind of, we got too many people now. Um, Seattle Restaurant Alliance still going to the city council. Oh, man. You know, uh, what's her name? Swat? Yeah. Kawami or something? <laughs> I almost said Shorma Swat, but that's hella racist. Um, it starts with a K. Uh, I know. It's something like Khaleesi. <laughs> Stop, stop. Anyway, but I, I so I'm walking by my house. I live on Broadway by the new light rail station, which uh Capitol Hill. It's a neighborhood in Seattle. Uh Posse's on Broadway. That's where I live. I am the Posse. Yeah. On Broadway. You're just that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I'll tell you a little quick story after I get into telling this. Um so I walk by a stand and there's some people out there that are uh, holding up the vote yes or, or information about the yeah. bill, about the restaurant, not the Restaurant Alliance Group, but the actual um, fair scheduling yeah. uh, bill that they're trying to get passed. And these motherfuckers – so I just took my headphones out and I stopped and I said, so I'm kind of confused of what your sign says. And it said like – vote you know yes on this and i was like so i kind of are you guys for fair scheduling or against it like they got pissed it's so what no three of them started talking to me at the same time confusing the shit out of me (sighs) this one person says to me um some weird word about um the food industry and stuff and i was like is that what this bill is about and then the girl goes, no, this is about fair scheduling. And I go, but he just said, no, no, this has nothing to do with that. And he's like, but this has, and I was like, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm just going to take one of these newspapers you got and read what's going on. And they go, oh, sorry, that's going to be $3. <laughs> and I was like, no, nah. I said, y'all need to get together, man. I said, I'm part of the industry. I was just trying to figure out whether SWAT was for or against it. And you guys can't even tell me what's going on without spitting some mojumbo down my throat talking at me at the same time. I said, mm-hmm. I felt hella... Yeah, I did not feel good about the interaction with them. When I was just trying to get some information to figure out whether she was for or against it. Interesting. Supposedly she's a socialist. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, we don't talk politics here on the show. Not really. 
Trying to stay out of that. We shit. are for Trump, though. Put that up there. <laughs> Dude, okay, so I went hiking this weekend. Okay, after this story, we'll get into the show. But I went hiking this weekend, and we went through um, Sultan, Sultan, Washington. And you literally start driving, and from the start of it, Donald Trump signs all the way Everywhere. to the end. Everywhere. And I was there, I was like, I'm hungry. And I was like, bitch, We're you, not ain't stopping. Stopping. <laughs> you ain't stopping. You ain't stopping. Not here. So, yeah, anyway. So, uh, what are we talking about today? Hold on, I didn't get to shout out my food and stuff where I ate at. Oh, where'd you eat? I just want to stop. I just want to give a quick shout out to. I know I should not stop saying shout out, but I ate at the restaurant Soy. Oh, cool. Um, on Capitol Hill, uh, it's a Thai restaurant. Yeah, that's the place right down the street from where I used to work. Yeah, yes. And uh, I don't know very much about the chef. I read about him a little bit, but uh, it's very, very, very good Thai food. The brunch menu is crack. Oh. It's very affordable. And then I do want to say um, thanks to the guys at Palace Kitchen. Um, they took care of me there. I kind of told, I told you the story yeah, about what happened there. Yeah. The kitchen staff was staring at me. Because you're famous. I'm not famous. <laughs> but uh, what's up to you guys? And uh, Matt Boussard, does, that's, is that his name? Yeah. Uh, yeah, he brought my food out, and the bartender was like, "Why?" Did you bring your food out? <laughs> and I was like, "No, I don't, I don't know." And he's like, "That dude, since I've been working here for three years, he's walked one plate of food to a table full of hot chicks, <laughs> but he just walked your food over here." And I was like, "I'm, I'm nobody." And I said, "But they've all been. Everybody's been saying hi to you and stuff." And I was like, "I'm not nobody important." And then my girlfriend was like, "No, actually, he's uh, uh, he's got a podcast." And I was like, "Stop, please, <laughs> stop." I but didn't I, know you could be famous off a of podcast. But I, w- but I will I take I will take another bottle of eighty dollar wine. <laughs> <laughs> he did comp us a bottle. So. Hey, that's what's up. Shout out. Yeah, but thanks to the guys there. Um, and then uh, today's episode of Grow How Long Steak, Mister Six. Six minutes? Six minutes. I hope six minutes. I got to check the temp. It's going to be blue. <laughs> um, yeah, today on the uh, episode, we are going to be covering um, Netflix docu-series Chef's Table. Mm. This is the France edition. And yeah. if nobody watches this show who listens, I'm sure plenty of you do. It's pretty popular. This, I believe, is our third season. Um, this one's yeah. in France. Um, so it's a Netflix docu-series that it, each episode they profile a different world-renowned chef. And they, the whole episode is about that particular chef. This one is about chefs in France. Um, it's created by a gentleman by the name of David Gelb, um, who became popular and famous for directing. He won tons of awards. He directed uh, Jiro Dreams of Sushi, oh. which if you have not seen that, it is an amazing documentary about a sushi chef named Jiro. And we have one of his apprentices here, Shiro. <laughs> I've been to both his restaurants. They're delicious. Um, so in this episode, um, what happened is, as I watched it, um, I was somewhat, I got home from a night of drinking, had heard about the show, like, it's out now. It just came out. On yeah, it came out a couple days ago. Two, three weeks ago. Really? Yes. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Came out two, three weeks ago. I think I want to say two weeks ago. I go home. I watch it. I had some a couple of drinks, and my mind is just blown. And I'm just like, "Oh my god, this is so amazing!" Yada yada yada. And I told you, so you knew it was out. Yeah, I'd spoke to you about it. And then I was listening to uh, Bill Burr's podcast, who is a comedian, a, a, a comedian from Boston. <laughs> and if you don't know about him, he's a uh, very hateful. He rants a lot, cusses, doesn't like very many things. But he had said that his wife forced him to watch 
this episode of Chef's Table. He had never seen the show, and he was fairly impressed, and he really liked this chef and liked what he stood for. So I told Johnny, let's cover this yeah. episode of Chef's Table. And I was stooped. Let's get a little bit in-depth into this actual chef. And uh, Johnny, do you want to start it off? Um, yeah, Elaine Passard. I don't, I, I don't want to like say his name wrong, even though I'm probably saying it wrong now. <laughs> um, he, he's a baller, you know, Alain Passard. I believe Alain, his name yeah, is. Al, I think it's Elaine. Elaine. Yeah. Aline. 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 Je suis pas français. Uh, un, un petit. Un petit <laughs> I got my, I got, when I, when I'm in charge of my staff at work, uh, they talk back to me. I'm like, I want to hear we chef, <laughs> no chef, excuse me, chef. That's all I want to hear out of your mouths. Um, yes. But yeah, he's, um, he's a chef out of France. That, right. that he is. Yeah. You know, <laughs> duh. <laughs> but, uh, he is a three Michelin star of, of what is it? La Page, La Pégeu? La Pêche? La Pajar? No, it's La Pêche. La Pêche. It's like from the root, like. La, uh, la Pêche. Yeah. Arpege. And it's. Uh, what does it, it mean? It means like the score, the score. Or like when you play music and it's an arpeggio, you know, it's when the notes that come after one another. Arpeggio. So it's, um, it's pretty cool when you think of it that way because when you're eating a coursed out menu and stuff like that, it's everything is. Rises. Is rises, you know, and there's a pinnacle. Um, so yeah, he's just this guy and uh, he's been working in this industry for what 35 40 years more than that more than that uh i don't know he's in his 50s now yeah but it's been since yeah the early 80s 14 jesus he said he first he got his first apprenticeship um at 14 uh and he was with alan sanders alan Sonder, Sonderins? I don't know how you pronounce his name. I know you try to look it up online and they say it. And you're like, I don't know. Slow it down. <laughs> but yeah, he was with this chef for three years. And uh, I'll give you a little background on his chef, which I found it with the guy that he apprenticed under for three years. Yeah, this dude's dope. Um, he was a chef at Lewis Carlton from 1985 until 2005. Uh, when he took over the restaurant, he renamed it after himself. Um, and he was uh, one of the founders. He was credited as being one of the founders of the French Nouvelle cuisine style. Okay. Which is uh, they stopped making classic French food. Yeah. And started, elevated. Yeah. And elevated with new techniques and stuff like that, which was unheard of. He was one of the forefront of that. But he's also famous uh, because he handed back his three Michelin stars that he had at his restaurant. Mm. Um, and he, after he relaunched it and renamed it after himself, which I believe was 86 or something. Yeah. Like that's that. what it was saying. I, I, I don't remember. Um yeah. Um, he said that he returned the stars, um, saying that he could not charge an affordable, an affordable price for meals while keeping up with the standards of the Michelin's guide requirements. Um, he says, as a result, uh, he stated that the customers paid a third of their former prices, Damn. but they returned more often, and he saw his profits um Return almost four times the amount. Yeah, man. When you reach when you reach everybody, especially people who have money and they can spend less money, <laughs> they they'll come back once or twice a week, you know, to get dinner. And then you it's can true. actually shoot up for a viable lunch program too. 
Yeah, so that's kind of his background. That's kind of who he first apprenticed with. And then, um, do you know about more about where he went? You said you looked. Up. Oh no, I was just um, he's he's just a comes from a family of artists. You know, his dad was a musician as well as his mom, and um, I think she was also an artist, like a painter or something right. like that. So yeah, so he um, he talked about uh, the art aspect of cooking mm-hmm. a lot because of his parents. Yeah, uh, he said since he was a young boy, he knew that he wanted to be a chef because uh, his grandma, right? That's right, because of the way his grandma cooked and. He compared um, cooking to his parents' work, um, sewing and sculpting and painting. Mm -hmm. Um, And he said, just like them, uh, you know, we talk a lot about uh, the hours that cooks and chefs are in a kitchen. And we make jokes a lot about, uh, you know, why pay for an apartment when you just put a cot in the dry storage area? Because you're actually there more than you're at your home. Totally. And all joking aside, the reason why you're at the restaurant more is because you need more time there to master your craft. Yeah, exactly. So he states in the television show that, you know, he works um, 10, 12, 15 hours a day. And he's in his 50s. Yeah. Still to this day. Um, He says he does it to become more precise and more accurate. Um, he says, you know, to be become a good chef, um, you need to memorize each gesture, each slice, every movement. It needs to be perfection. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very painful, but with that, um, you 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 find things. You know, you've done us one slice so many times, and then one day, if you do it differently, um, you find a new gesture. Yeah, and, no, totally. And it's happy accidents. You know, so. Um, yeah. I do that all the time. I've been cutting tomatoes for like <laughs> so long, but uh, since I started working at Art of the Table, but you know, I, I find these different ways and then it helps me plate differently. So like if I, when I get to the end of the potato or tomato, instead of just cutting it flat, maybe I'll cut it just a little bit on a bias so it'll tilt and so I can stack stuff on it and it kind of looks a little whimsical. Um, we try to, you know, it's, it's fun to play with your food. And to, and yeah, to, they always tell you when you're younger, don't play with your food. But yeah, but no, it's it's especially hella fun. It's hella fun. You get to make things look like you know natural unnaturalness. I always know? tell you know people. I I don't think of myself as a creative human being, right? <laughs> I think you're pretty creative. That's I know. That's what people tell. I I don't believe I am. But then a lot of people are like, when I cook and stuff like that, they're like, dude, that's I mean. Exactly. Hella creative. I know. I need to actually go to the store after the show because I got to <laughs> get some shit for this week. All right. So what else? Do we, how 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 do we want to go about this episode? Well, other than him being a baller, uh, I just wanted to talk about how he, you know, he started like every other chef started. Um, cooking, grinding. Yeah, grinding, cooking classics, uh, basics, you know, your, your Cote de Bouffe and your, um, your Bourguignon and your Cassoulets and stuff like that, you know, what they do over there. And um, working really primarily with meat and that was there was a scene in that show where they were or that episode where they show people just breaking down raw protein you know and it's like I would say maybe 45 seconds of them just doing a montage of you know people ripping out you know organ meat and doing all this stuff but of of gorgeous animals you know it's like of duck and chickens and you know all this good stuff but you can see how after after a certain amount of time and so many years of seeing all that blood and all those organs and all those different things how you would want to do something a little bit different and that's what led him to um to say basically fuck the meat and um i want to cook with vegetables which all right. is all right so he brings up a good point 
uh, he brought, I don't, we weren't sure how we were going to cover this episode of Chef's Table. We weren't sure if we were going to go start to finish uh, of the episode, go to the end, talk about his history, talk about his restaurant, you know, talking about the storyline of the show is set out. Uh, the episode is, is very well done. Um, that's right. He stopped, decided he was going to stop cooking meat. Yeah. He just said no. And in France, giant no, no. Yeah. Uh, I mean, their, their whole menu is based on, um, animal products, beef, poultry, fish. Yeah. Lots and lots of, so he said, um, yeah, he cooked with me, cooked with meat there for around 15 15 years. years. Um, and then in 1998, he stopped uh, working with dead animals. He said it became painful for him. Yeah. Uh, but it, he never really says what changed or why or what happened uh, as to why he didn't want to cook meat anymore. I mean, but I can kind of feel that because at a certain point in time, after 15 years of cooking with meat, it's like, yeah, you can probably do more with meat. But at the same time, you're not accenting the flavor of the meat at that point. You're just doing... Well, it, it's it's the lead it's the lead actor. Yeah, in the dish. Yeah, exactly. And you're not making it the lead anymore after a while because you know oh, because it's, it's boring. You've it's done boring. it. Yeah, you've done it. Um, I don't know. I just I was I'm just curious as to why. And I'll try to maybe do some more research. Um, I just want to know what happened. He's not a vegetarian. No, he's, I mean he's, he's I'm not, sure he eats meat. He, I'm just sure like he still cooks meat. Yeah. The restaurant still cooks meat. Yeah, they have a couple of fish and poultry items, right? That's right. Um, so basically what happened is is he stopped cooking meat. Um, and what are my notes at? Hmm. Well, he stopped cooking meat, right? <clears throat> and then he, but he had three Michelin stars. So when he took over uh, La Pege, um, he got his first star the first year, his second star the second year. And then I think the third star came soon after that. Um, what they said, and uh, so he, the third star, so yeah. So he started, um, yeah, he took over the restaurant in the 90s. Um, and immediately he got his, I think, yeah, yeah, around in the 90s, he took it over. Um, still meat heavy menu. He quickly, he it already had, he got his one star, uh, 96, he got his third star, yeah. Um, and then what, 98. He got tired of cooking. Yeah, 98, he got tired of cooking meat, and he stopped, and he decided to um, go to cooking strictly vegetarian, um, which is pretty amazing because uh, people were freaking out. And the thing is, is everyone was like, well, good luck on, you know, your stars. They're gone now because you're cooking food that people don't really want to eat. And uh, lo and behold, you know. Yeah, he went, so he went to the Michelin Guide Board, and he Informed them of his plans. And they were like, what? And they were like, what? Excuse us? <laughs> and he said he just turned around and walked away. And he said, that's all. That's He's just letting them know ahead of time what he's planning. So they, when he puts out a new menu, they're not surprised by what's yeah. going on. They're, you know, they. And he got some flack. Yeah. Um, he said that uh, he started losing clients left and right. And the write ups about him were pretty harsh. Yeah. Uh, he got some bad, some harsh reviews. Uh, a lot of newspapers um, had some pretty shitty things to say about him. Yeah, and that's because people are so accustomed to a certain style and cuisine. It's French and, cuisine. Yeah, and it's and, but like at the same time, you at a certain point you got to realize that there is food all around you. You know, 
and um, that the nat the food that comes naturally from the earth is can be way more flavorful than you know a perfectly cooked piece of duck, or you know a perfectly brined piece of pork that comes off the grill and is juicy and tender. Um, you can find that in a piece of fruit. <laughs> True. So what he started doing was he, yeah, started he started working a lot more with the farmers. Yeah, with farmers. Um, eventually opening up uh, two farms of his own. That's right. That uh, solely provide for his restaurant. For his restaurant. So he's almost self-sustained at That's this right. point. Almost. Um, I really loved at the beginning of the episode where they where they called it the arrival of the vegetables, you know, kind of like yeah, it's that the was, start of the symphony. Was, it's been a while since I've worked at a restaurant where your produce man pulls up. Yeah. And it's not necessarily what you ordered on that truck. Mm-hmm. It's either what line on the list of restaurants you are yeah, or what he has left over. Yeah, exactly. And you're not forced to buy anything from him. He says, this is what I have. A lot of produce people, they just come by mm-hmm. um, and they this is, say, this is what we have. This is what we have nice. This is what we have in this fresh. This is what we harvested this week. Oh. Um, are you interested? Uh, some restaurants go, I'll take it all. Other restaurants go, no, we're going to pass. And then, and yeah, and then some places will also send you some fresh sheets to your email because some of them are in the 20th, 21st century. That's right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and they'll send you emails of fresh sheets so you can like bulk up if you want to. Like, so we use a lot of different farms that are at the table. Um, we're completely Washington based. Only? Um, no, no, no Oregon or Northern California? You know, we might get some. We might get some seafood from. Because that's something to boast about. If you're strictly Washington farms. Yeah, I mean, I would just about say I'd say we might get a few things from outside of Washington, but I would say most things are not. Well, that's that's something that was really cool with um, a restaurant we have here in Seattle. Well, I'll give them props on this one. Uh, Local 360. 360. Yeah. Their whole concept was every single thing that they had in their restaurant came 360 degrees from the restaurant. Yeah. I think last time I talked to somebody there, which was a while ago, they said they did about 80%, 80 to 85% of what they use. Yeah, because there's some things you can't get. You know, it's like vinegars and certain things like that that you would want. Specific types you're going to have to, you know, outsource. Wine, of course, you're going to have to. Yeah. So uh, Chef Passard, basically when he... When he stopped using meat products and went vegetarian, started you know got his own farm, started working, and what he started doing was started a little bit of research and development. Yeah, he started figuring out uh, what grows better and what different kinds of soil. He has two separate farms with two different types of. Uh, so he grows a lot of his vegetables two different ways. Yeah, just to see what yields what, and you know. Exactly. Which tastes better. But he has like everything. He does like turnips and stone fruit and freaking, you know, carrots and cabbages and any anything you could imagine. He, I mean, you can really see when he, you know, bites into those peaches. Man. Yeah. Oh, I my mean, God. How much, little, he, oh man, how much so, he really oh. loves it. And you could see how juicy they were. They're like half of it. <laughs> yeah. just, just, how no, soft. Yeah. It's just like just rips off with no. And, and he had said that they had just felt we he said we had collected peaches yesterday. <laughs> so these are literally from today. Yeah. These haven't been sitting on the ground for more than 12 hours. No. Um, so, yeah. 
so basically every day when the produce gets delivered, it, when it arrives at the restaurant, uh, he's the first one out there to be to inspect it. Yeah. Uh, he said right when he touches it and smells it and tastes it, he's automatically inspired. Yeah. He starts, starts going. Like the first thing he's like is, oh, oh the parsley, we make the parsley cream, no? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, and I started thinking parsley cream. He's like, yeah. Oh, oh, sounds pretty good. We do, like, we do funky shit like that. Um, we turn everything into something different, you know, after a certain point in time. But like, that's why I really, I really enjoy it. It's cause like we'll have our, we'll have the, the mushroom farmer come down and just drop off a bunch of like different things like, uh, shiitakes and morels and, um, uh, lobster mushrooms. The other day he brought over my takis. That I were love just the fucking color gorgeous. of lobster mushrooms. Yeah, the lobster mushrooms are beautiful and, uh, they're just the right size too, yeah. you know? And like, I just found out like we get a lobe That's what's up, G. You know, it's, it's, um, it's phenomenal. And like the sa- the foie that we get, we get it from the same people that we get the ducks from, um, which are both Washington. Um, you don't have, you have foie from Washington? I'm pretty sure. I don't think so. I want to find this up. Yeah, maybe. Maybe I'm They produce foie in Washington. Maybe they don't, but I know that. I know (laughs) that. I mean, I'm not saying I'm correct. I just know that the people who give us the ducks also (laughs) give us foie. Um, Yeah. Um, So, yeah. So, um, another point is that, uh, you know, when the the food comes into his kitchen, uh, Chef Passard, um, he he never has a standard recipe. No. For um, his dishes. Unless it's baking. Yeah. Yeah, I have a recipe for um, Yeah, his bread and stuff like that. Yeah. But when he's cooking, um, he says he no recipes. Uh, he never writes down his recipes. And he this is one that I was my mouth kind of dropped. And he was, I don't think I've ever heard this. No notebooks. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, every chef I've ever worked for has asked me, where the fuck is your notebook at? <laughs> so. Well, because the, and cause like in places that we have here, Everybody runs on a fucking recipe, you know, and they want you to do it their way so that the product comes out the same way. Yeah. I mean, I don't roll with recipes, but that's why I really enjoy working at Art at the Table is because yeah. we roll off the cuff every yeah, day. we've discussed that. That's like, hella cool. Every day. Um, and like there's certain things that have recipes and there's certain ways that you want, but we look at the menu and it's kind of like a tour of the world. And if it's everything's a different thing, like we had a, a dish that came from Provence and then we also did an Asian themed dish and we also had like a like a bunch just anything that you can do southern barbecue See, on it, all, it also saddens me though too because there's sometimes i make dishes and i don't remember how i made it or what but I that's did. the thing but you know the basics of what you did and that oh yeah, that yeah helps yeah. you improve exactly. and the then style. you can just make it and then you know what not to do exactly well something turns out can, but it's like even when i was making barbecue sauce at rue um it was like you start with the recipe and you and you start going more and more that's why when Mikey came on the show and he was like use the joy of cooking because it's like a really good basic, basic. Um, right. method of cooking all these dishes and then you can improve from that um, it's all about you know learning what your palate is so that you can create what's you you know you got you, know, you got to create yourself that's right and if you, yeah and if, if if you're growing it yourself mm-hmm. and you're bringing it into that back door and then you're cooking with it man i mean that the more knowledge you have the more power you have exactly and that's okay. what like i watched that episode um twice and <laughs> i've seen it three times <laughs> and like the first thing that happened to me was i was was like i need to go out to my garden and pull everything out and start planting again and get everything ready for fall because i want to try and cook strictly from my garden this year that'd be nice um 
Yeah, he made a statement on the show that I really appreciated, and um, a lot of people don't. A lot of these people don't really catch the amount of respect they do from uh, foodies mm-hmm. or uh, clients, customers of the restaurants. Uh, you know, the chefs are always held in such high regard. But he made a comment saying, "You know, the gardener is actually the true artist." Yeah, you know, and without them. You know, they, we don't, you know, Always. we don't have a lot of stuff. You got to rep. You got to rep uh, the farmers. I mean, imagine there's a lot of cooks out there uh, and chefs out there who don't know how to garden. Yeah. Who can't gr- can't grow a stock of corn. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, and it's a, uh, it's, it's. I mean, I don't have a green thumb. I mean, I mean, I, I wouldn't necessarily say I have a green thumb. I just enjoy watching food grow. But after watching this episode, I realized the importance of growing things that you would buy at the store naturally. It's like it's not always about growing tomatoes or growing, you know, lettuces. Sometimes it's about you gro- have shitty seasons. Well yeah, but no, it's more about like it's about growing like garlic and potatoes and you know like those those things that you don't really think about, but when you grow it yourself, it tastes so much better. And um that's a really cool thing. Like my brother in law right now is he grows his own potatoes, but he doesn't have it in his planter box. He has his own little he uses his old wheelbarrow that busted and just dumped a bunch of you know, good soil in there, a little bit of sand and clay, and he's growing potatoes in there, and they're super fucking delicious potatoes. Um, and it's like this was—it's getting my cogs turning, being like, "Ooh, what can I get? Just like throw out in the yard and like just start growing something funky in that jar, and like growing something crazy and over there, and just like you know, it's like I'm gonna grow pumpkins this year and stuff like that, and just like I'm—it's—it's it's inspiring. You're lucky though; you have a yard. Yeah, I have a yard, so I'm really lucky. But at the same time, you can you can grow things inside your house too. So I just got a balcony that I grow herbs on. Yeah, grow herbs but on you it. Don't, you don't eat these herbs. You, you smoke can. Them. You can. <laughs> I'm just joking. But you. You can grow you can grow things that that grow underneath the soil that don't yeah. need to grow up you know yeah. um like carrots uh potatoes garlic um those sorts of things yeah, get, it, get it, a little greenhouse going yeah i yeah i don't know it, this, this show is just it, it's it's by far probably one of my favorite episodes i've ever seen on the series well yeah because it it shows you what what I mean, I feel like I've been and a lot of uh, people that I roll with have been saying is like we need to go back to not the basics of cooking, but heirloom cooking and cooking with um, natural ingredients and like learning about these things and why these things taste so good and where they come from. And like the farmers who who mess with them, because those people um are creating amazing product and instead of like bringing in carrots and stuff like that and covering that smothering them in like you know harissa or like you know a bunch of other different stuff why don't you slowly roast them with some like some aromatics and maybe a little bit of curry or maybe some like sumac or something like just a little bit of spice just to bring out the some more flavor but you still get the natural aspect that you're trying to you know, depict well, from the well, chef Passard said, you know, that he, you know, he realized that you can cook ve- vegetables with the same techniques you do with meat. Exactly. Roasting, mm-hmm. grilling. Um, and you can make it, you can have the focus be on that. Yeah. And it can be just as delicious. Well, and the meat of the vegetable tastes just as delicious. Well, you know, like you use stock to, to braise. Um, we were talking about at work the other day is how about we vacuum seal, uh, vegetables with their juice, sous vide, sous vide in their juice. Um, we'll take that out. We'll you have the veg that's already been sous vide with the juice. We'll take that juice, reduce it into a sauce, and put it over. You know, vegetable sauce. Yeah, 
Um, and if you need it and, and that's when the gastronomy comes in because you're like oh I need it to tighten up it's like oh we'll throw butter in it no just throw in a little bit of agar agar pass it um, you know make sure you get all the chunks out and then you have a nice you know thick sauce um, it's, it's it's these sorts of things that I'm learning you know in the kitchen this is why I'm jealous because <laughs> I'm just like sitting here like oh man can I grill some more flank steak <laughs> yeah our menu doesn't change that often and, but you know and our menu changes and it doesn't change every day but it's it's pretty regular um, but it's like this is the thing is I'm trying to sorry cook at home you know yeah do it at home you you have all these things that you can use um you might not have a proper sous vide machine you might not have a proper vacuum sealer or something like that but you know you can always cook at home all right so uh into the story into the episode of uh chef's table um when he stopped cooking meat um he went to the you know the michelin board he got made fun of everybody uh Game shitty reviews. Uh, well, around the year 2000, when he's waiting for his new guide to come out, uh, he actually never lost any stars. Yeah, he didn't lose any stars. He kept all three of uh, his Michelin stars. And he said that even the people who were big meat eaters started coming in and having a new um, experience. experience and a new outlook on vegetables That's and right. what they could do. Um, now, he says that uh, in 1999, he went a little radical uh, with his no meat on the menu. Um, and since, you know, he's added back some poultry and mm-hmm. some fish and some beef and shellfish. And he understands that, you know. There's a balance. Exactly. You don't have to go far one way or the other. But when you start, you have to make a stand. A stand, yeah. I guess. <laughs> you make a statement, you know. If you're going to go hard, you got to go hard. Um, yeah. And he was ready to quit cooking over meat. Well, that happens a lot, I feel like, with a lot of people is they don't know what they are doing because they haven't figured out themselves yet you know yeah um he says his only ambition in life is to do is to love what he does more each day yeah and he says that his garden actually saved his life oh yeah because when you can see things grow and then you can create something from what you've seen grow it only makes you want to grow (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah it, it, it is a really good feeling you know even when you know i you know when i go fishing or you know, gardening and stuff and you, you know, you grow something yourself or you catch something yourself, you clean it and you cook it yourself, mm-hmm. man. It, it's a powerful feeling. Yeah. Um, it's amazing. You know, I feel almost like a caveman. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta do it. Paleo all the way, baby. Yeah. What about that other white meat though? <laughs> that sounds gross. Baby. <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, yeah. So I highly recommend watching Chef's Table if you haven't. Start at the beginning. Yeah. Start with the original Chef's Tables. Who's the first? The very Massimo. First? Massimo. Yeah. yeah he Massimo. talks about uh, Parmesan. That episode was another Crushed episode it. that fucking blew my mind. They did two episodes on him, right? Yeah. In that season. Because the first one was about how uh, there was... Um, an earthquake that happened in Oops. Italy yeah, yeah, yeah. and it ruined all That's their second episode, I think. Oh, maybe, but it ruined all their Parmesan and he created a dish that saved all that Parmesan. That's right. That's um, right. They were all going to go bad. Yeah. And like, and I think he was a like, hundred no, chefs over the, can't be wasting that cheese dog. Yeah. And people made this one pasta dish that was super basic. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody was freaking out. It's, it's crack. Um, all right. That's going to take us to our ingredient of the week. And I feel like we should have done something better for ingredient of the week, but, uh, this is fine. Jonathan, Jahani. 
Well, I didn't, you know. Oh, this is fine. This was just fine. It's, I, I like this recipe. I've made this I was before. just thinking about, you know, using vegetables, of course, and something that's, that we can get grown fresh. And gonna, I've I, been using poblanos I, lately. Apparently, I'm taking, some, I'm taking something uh, healthy and delicious and fresh and making it uh, bad for you. <laughs> yeah, no, that's exactly, <laughs> exactly what you're doing. All right, yes. Jonathan uh, chose poblano peppers. Yep. Uh, would you like to go first or would you like me to go first? Uh, yeah, I'm just going to do something quick and easy. Um, we do it at the restaurant. Uh, we call it a poblano relish. But uh, you're just going to take uh, six poblanos. You're going to cut them in half and get those seeds out because poblanos are hot. <laughs> they, can, they get spicy. Uh, so you're going to take those seeds out and you're going to cut them with a little bit of oil, a little bit of salt, and you're going to grill them off um, and just blister that skin just a little bit. Um, I don't like to peel the skin off. I like to keep it on there. I think it has a little bit of texture and a little bit of flavor. Um, at the same time as you're blistering those, you're going to get some um, julienne onions. I would say three or two onions, halved and julienne, um, six cloves of garlic that have been shaved. You don't want to chop, mince them up or anything. You just want to have those nice little flakes. Thin? Yeah, not, not too thin. Um, they, they don't need to be perfect. I would say rustic. Um Good, good word. Yeah, and uh, just toss those in a pan and get those going. Sweat them down, nice and nice and low. A uh, little bit of salt, and um, then you're gonna julienne your your blistered uh, poblanos and toss those in at the same time and bring those down. Um, at that time, you're gonna toss in some fresh cilantro, uh, a little bit of lime juice, lime zest. Um, throw that in a bowl, toss with a little bit more oil just to br give it a little bit more um, sauciness, you know. Uh, you're going to chill that, and then you're just going to add more herbs. <laughs> like, keep on adding herbs. Um, and make it just super herby and real nice and acidic until it gets to where you want it to be. And what we do with it is we put it on a little sopa, um, which is like a, with with a, which is a masa cake. Um, and we put it underneath our foie gras. Mm, foie with a... Poblano relish? Yeah. And like a masa. And a, yeah, and a masa soap. How thick is that? Um, the masa cake is real thin. We roll into a ball okay. and we press it right. uh, and then we fry it. Okay. And um, yeah, and then it gets served with, you know, whatever. We're doing a burnt eggplant emulsion can the other some, day. Can you bring that to me sometime? Uh, you should come into the restaurant on an a la carte day and we'll, right. and, we'll, and we'll do it up. Let your boy know. Yeah, for sure. All right. Your boy Robbie is going to be, do a, be doing a fire roasted Poblano ranch dressing. That shit. We can do a sauce, whatever, whenever dressing. Uh, so, with the, if you're gonna make a dressing, you want to have it a little bit thinner, so you want to add more buttermilk to it. If you're doing a sauce, add a little bit more mayo, whatever aioli, whatever you want to do. Is there mayo in this aioli? <laughs> <laughs> it's mayo. You just want to buy mayo. Yeah, you're not making aioli because you're gonna put garlic in it. So, <laughs> I mean, if you want to be fancy, make your own aioli. Yeah, it's not that hard. Um, gonna work out. Okay. <laughs> So what you're going to do at home, uh, hopefully you have somewhere you can produce fire, produce fire from, a grill, um, um, an oven top, it's gas, whatever. Uh, you want two large poblanos. Uh, you want four tablespoons of fresh squeezed lime juice. You're going to want two tablespoons of finely minced chives. Mm -hmm. You're going to want a uh, half a teaspoon of uh, fresh oregano uh, minced. Uh, that's fine. Uh, two cloves whole garlic minced. 
Um, then you're going to want five tablespoons of buttermilk, two cups of mayo, and then you're going to salt and pepper to taste. Uh, what you're going to do is you're going to take those uh, poblanos. You're just going to put them over an open fire, mm-hmm. uh, char the outside of them. Yeah, get that smoke. Nice and even. You don't want one side darker than another. Get nice. Turn it up on its end. Uh, you want to put it in a bowl, cover it with saran wrap. Um, let let you know. Let the moisture in there kind of separate the the skin yeah. from the actual pepper, um, and then you can mix everything else in together. I wouldn't stir it yet. I'd wait till you get your peppers. You want to take your depending on how spicy you want it. Uh, you want to peel all the get all the black. Don't rinse it underwater. Yeah, and that's it's gonna, gonna take the flavor. It's gonna off. take the flavor away. So it's okay to have some dark stuff in your. Um, your dressing, uh, but try to get as much as off as you can. You want to split it in half, pick all the seeds out of it, uh, dice that up super fine, toss it in your mixture, your um, wet mixture, and then you're just gonna fold it, mix it together. I would probably let it sit in the fridge overnight. Uh, would be my best recommendation. But man, that's just gonna go bomb on anything. Yeah, it's a really really good recipe. I've used it. That's an old, old, old recipe that I used to do a long time ago. Um, yeah, make a fancy ranch sauce. Ranch. Okay. Uh, yeah, sorry for not recording last week. Uh, I'm sure you guys missed us. Yeah, I'm, I, I didn't really get too many text messages. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes we have an episode where I'm talking a bunch of shit, somebody will say. Or we have a good story or something. Somebody. Yeah, la- the last episode we did, we were pretty tired, and so I'm glad that we got to. Yeah, we sound. I did not. I sounded. I haven't even listened to it because I know that I, I sounded Yeah, like I know crap. I sounded boo-boo. I was like, ugh. Yeah, you know, it's hard out here. Apologies. We were tired. We're back. We're yeah, ready. We're back. Yeah, next, dude, we, <laughs> are, we need to get on top of our guest game. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, um, thank you, Johnny. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we want to thank uh, Studio 212 for uh, letting us record here. We would love to thank the Soundcasting Network for hosting our show. And uh, we'd like to thank you listeners for uh, supporting us. Uh, we can be reached on social media at uh, Grow How Long Steak Mr. On Facebook and Instagram. Our Twitter is going to be at How Long Steak Mister. Our email address is going to be GrowHowLongSteakMister at gmail.com. Uh, I'm Bobby Stills on Instagram. He's Johnny Tsunami. He's on Instagram. Check us out. We'll be flexing. Yep. Oh, I'm also, um, if you guys have any questions, if you're chefs or cooks or whatever and want to know what farms that we're using out here in Washington, I'll post a few on our Facebook, um, Grow How Long Steak Mister. And uh, yeah, and you guys can check them out for yourself. Yeah, most definitely, man. Hit up those farmers markets. Yeah, uh, the uh, farmers market out in um, Ballard is probably my favorite ah, in yeah. Seattle. That's a good one too. So um, yeah, until next week, guys. Uh, yeah, be See safe you. out there. Thank you. Have fun. Bye. Grill. How long does it take, Mister? Five minutes out. Eat a tip.